Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show. Danny Sarek joins me. Episode 2 of Hard Knocks In Season is in the books. And yes, we will talk about it, so be aware in case you haven't watched. Our biggest takeaways. Also, QB1 remains an unknown. Whoever it may be, though, it certainly sounds like they'll have the opportunity to throw the ball to a returning Hollywood Brown. It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 616, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2. Hit in the backfield and down he goes for a loss. J.J. Watt nailed it. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. He's at the 10, at the 5, he's in again! Some more Murray Magic! Wow! Here's Craig Grealoux. So what'd you think, Danny? Episode 2, Hard Knocks, in-season, Arizona Cardinals. The episodes are a lot more fun to watch and I'm sure make (laughs) when the Cardinals win, that's for sure. That's the biggest takeaway of Hard Knocks for 2022. Yes, I, I found it more enjoyable looking back at a W. I thought it was a good episode. I liked that, obviously the first episode you were having to recap a whole lot and not a lot of time. And it was very Buddha Baker heavy. And I liked this episode. We got to see some J.J. Watt stuff, although it was more like old news kind of at this point, And they were just kind of, again, recapping a little bit to, to focus on J.J. Watt, who was mic'd up in the Rams game. I really liked the offensive line footage. I, I'm, I'm the kind of I, – I love – the offensive line here is they're just such big guys, but they have such fun personalities, but they're typically, they don't like to talk to the media. They're a little more reserved, but not only with the media, not with themselves. And the fact that you were missing four of your five starters in this game to perform the way they did blocking for a backup quarterback. Um, I really enjoyed getting to see Kelvin Beecham as your only remaining starter on that line, really mentor and help rookie Lasita Smith, who got his first start um, at right guard. And and I really liked that storyline. I know we'll get into more details about the episode, but I liked it. I thought it was a pretty good episode. And almost, and this was news to both of us, almost did not have Beach on Sunday against the Rams, who was thought he might have had a appendicitis. And that was something that literally stopped me in my tracks watching that going, okay, well, he did not practice Wednesday. It was a closed walkthrough. Went to the emergency room, but he was limited in practice on Thursday, and it was a quick scare, and thankfully, Beach is okay. But then obviously, everyone, once you realize that someone is okay, what do you do when they return? You razz them. You give them them a little little grief, if you will. The popcorn-itis that offensive line coach Sean Kugler put on the screen in the meeting rooms cracked me up. And the best part was when the camera panned to Calvin Beecham, he was eating that same popcorn. Yes. It was am- it was so funny. Sean Coogler was very funny in this episode in the bloopers as well. Um, just the lightheartedness he kind of has. Very dry sense of humor in his meetings. I had no idea about that with Beach. Um, very scary. Cra- it's crazy to think that when you're talking about Kelvin Beecham's hell scare in the same episode with J.J. Watt's heart scare. That these players, again, a week after still even touching on Buda Baker's ankle, like the fact that these players go through what they go through and they still put their bodies in the line and they still play is just incredible. 
I liked what Cougs had to say when Beach came back. Quote, if you wanted out of a walkthrough, all you had to do was ask. End quote. And it's that ribbing back and forth that was constant throughout the entire episode. And then the post-credits, you see more of it with Coach Cougs, who's that dry sense of humor, which we don't see a lot of unless you just happen to run into him. He doesn't address the media on a weekly basis. But that's the good-natured ribbing in the locker room, in the meeting room, amongst position groups, amongst players, amongst teammates that cameras don't always catch. Wide receivers coach Sean Jefferson unintentionally, to me, has been one of the funniest people we have seen in these last two episodes with what he says. And when they were waiting for Beach to come out at practice, I don't remember who Sean was talking to, but he was maybe it was DJ, DJ Humphreys. And he was like, what was going on with Beach? I saw him and he was just sweating. Like, but of course I don't do it justice. But the way that Sean said it, it was so funny to me. Let's touch on who was spotlighted a lot, and that was Lucita Smith, because that was the storyline going into the Week 10 matchup against the Rams and Aaron Donald. And it just so happened, look, you're, you're following players leading into a game not knowing what they're going to do in that game. You hope a number of different players get mic'd up, spotlighted, but you don't know. You're trying to predict what will happen. Look at storylines. And it just so happened that not only did Lasitas play well, but all that days leading into that matchup, it became a huge storyline and a successful storyline. And in the very honest nature of Lasita saying, look, I did not expect to see the field at all this season. And then here he was starting on the offensive line at right guard against Aaron Donald. Calvin Beecham spoke to the media earlier this week after the Rams game prior to this Hard Knocks episode coming out and was asked about Lasita Smith's performance in his first career start. And Kelvin kind of smiled and said, yeah, he asked he asked a lot of questions. And now watching the episode, we see that he asked a lot of questions. And it was funny that at one point in practice, um, Beecham just says to him, just play football. Just pick a guy and run him over. Like, And even when the offense had their dinner, yes. Kyler Murray was talking to Lasitas and, and said, again, it, explaining the screen as he that Lasitas was overthinking it and to just go out and play football. And it was also, I thought it was kind of cute that after the, the one of the James Conner touchdowns, it looked like Lasitas didn't really know what to do to celebrate. He'd never really been in that situation before. And so Beach called him over and said, we're going to jump. And they, they jumped and celebrated together. I, I can't imagine the nerves you would have as a rookie going in because someone is hurt. To do that when other players are going in on the line because people are hurt. And to do both of those things when you're going up against defensive tackle Aaron Donald, just um, I, I can imagine the nerves that Lasita Smith had. So to have the game he did, I'm sure, was very validating for him and the rest of the offensive line. But I did really enjoy seeing that mentorship with Beecham and Smith. And that's the theme that I got. Look, they do not title these episodes, but whether it's the big brother, the hand on the shoulder, or as we heard the narrator at the end, fathers know best because it was a lot of that spotlight of Colt McCoy coming in and reassuring everyone that things are going to be okay. You mentioned Beach reassuring Lucita Smith, everything's going to be okay. Sean Coogler, J.J. Watt to Rondell Moore. Sean and Van Jefferson, the father-son dynamic on opposite sides of the field. It was a very well put together episode showing that, yes, we see them as coaches and players in the middle of a field, yet there are also lives outside 
of their action on Sunday, and that's what hard knocks, whether it's training camp or in season, that's what it opens up the door to so many people. That's what it's all about. You forgot about another father, though. Your voice was very, very prevalent as a voiceover in this episode, Craig. It was was a lovely surprise. I was not going to bring it up. I was surprised I'm going to bring it up. uh, Great job. Now, look. Although, did you ask them to use a cover, too, with Paul instead of me? Was that on purpose? I cannot confirm nor deny Mm -hmm. anything was given or not given to the Hard Knocks crew. Now, look, we discussed in Burgang, if you missed our recap from episode one, we're we're keeping track of how much we are spotlighted, The all of us, which, which in the digital department, if you will, or the content team, or just you and I, and we did say voices counted, correct? Yes, you are crushing okay. me. So I, now, it was just twice, but if you're counting length of time, it might be difficult for you to catch up, and we're only two episodes Whoa. in. Whoa, okay, Craig. Challenge it was, accepted. Okay. It was in the beginning, which I another eye-opening moment, not only... General Manager Steve Kime coming into work, but then hearing him say that both quarterbacks are banged up a little bit. While we knew Kyler Murray was dealing with a hamstring issue, did not know what was ailing Colt McCoy. Could have been just some of the bumps and bruises of you know a season, but there was potentially some question that maybe not 100% your backup quarter was going to have to play. So that, to me, was a little bit newsworthy. And then you mentioned it. The Friday night before that week, Kime's son Carson playing for the Hamilton football team against rival Chandler and seeing Kime on the sideline watching his son. Another example of a reminder of these people, whether they are in the front office side of the building or out on the field, coaching staff, whatever it might be, still have lives, you know, when when fans are coming at them and, you know, Football should be your only focus and whatever that might be if they see, you know, after a loss if someone's posting with their family or they're doing something that you should be out on the practice field. You should be watching film. I mean, these 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 are normal people like they have families. And I like seeing that side of things of, you know, I'm, I wonder what goes through Steve Kimes mind when he's watching his son play football rather than when he's watching the Cardinals, I would imagine. I would imagine they're pretty different, but maybe in, a, in some sense it's pretty similar and it's difficult to kind of decipher between the two and maybe just be a proud dad as opposed to, you know, really seeing the game and seeing the field. That would be um, an interesting question I, I would have for him is the difference of watching those two teams play. And then with Sean Jefferson, and he got the best of both worlds in that Week 10 win over the Rams because he got the win, and his son Van got the touchdown late. And you could even hear Sean Jefferson on the sideline. He was mic'd up or cameras, or there was a mic close enough to him, and he was seemed pleased. He had his back turned towards the field, but he was happy that, okay, we're going to win this game, yet at the same time, Van got another touchdown, so I'm proud father yet also happy coach I ugh when he when when Sean was saying he was proud of Van on that touchdown but more so when they had the footage of Sean Jefferson and his wife and his daughter-in-law on the stands at the Super Bowl and his daughter-in-law goes into labor they leave the game Sean stays back and when the Rams win and the confetti is falling I got chills watching Sean throw his arms in the air and say my son got a ring. My son got a ring. He did it. My son got a ring. And then to go down on the field with his grandchildren and his son, celebrate, and then go to the hospital for the birth of his grandson. 
it was just beautiful. I had chills. I, I loved seeing that. I don't know if there will ever be a better 12, 24 hours for a family than that day. Super Bowl Sunday, you win the Super Bowl, your son wins the Super Bowl, and you become a grandfather once again. It, it, again, when you have so many microphones, cameras following these coaches and players, you do get to see a different side of them, and that's what I've enjoyed. And there was a little bit more of this in episode two because, as you mentioned, the first episode was kind of chronicling the first that eight, first eight weeks and all the ups and downs, but we get to see here in episode two a little bit more behind the scenes, going and having that walk with J.J. Watt, his wife, and their newborn son around the neighborhood and then flashing back to Watt's health scare in week four. So just things that may be old news for us, but they're kind of re-putting it back into play for the purposes of these episodes. Doesn't it feel like forever ago, week four yes. with JJ's heart and the Panthers? I, I was, when they brought that up, I was like, oh my gosh, like I kind of forgot Which about that. Tells you how much has happened to this team. No kidding. <laughs> the episode also obviously delved into Colt McCoy getting the starts and the amount of detail that he speaks about and hopes that everyone else prepares like he does. He wanted, It was from the onset, Danny, that week on Monday when they walked in or they go through that game plan, everyone needs to be on the same page. If everyone, and That's what we've been talking about. It's one player, different series, different quarter, different players each week. And his quote, I don't want to go into this game if anybody has confusion on what they're supposed to do. And he talked about the details, which we've heard week in and week out. I would imagine that is the case when any backup quarterback knows that they're going to play and you're preparing. There are not many scenarios where the backup quarterback is being protected by almost an entire backup offensive line. So I would imagine it makes sense to me that Colt McCoy, as someone who is experienced and proven and capable, he's 36 years old, he's been in the league for a long time, and he has performed well whenever his number has been called upon. It's not surprising to me that he would have that kind of emphasis on the details, not just for himself, but the offense as a whole. And the way we saw him talking to wide receiver Robbie Anderson in practice about where he wants the ball in certain situations and and communicating with the offensive line. And we heard that it was the game plan for Colt to just snap that ball out quickly, which is what we saw in the game. But again, because you have a backup offensive line, a backup quarterback, you're going against Aaron Donald. That was the game plan. Cole's saying, I'm just going to let it rip. Like, I'm, I'm going to get rid of it fast. And that's exactly what he did in the game. It was fun watching the lead up to the game. Then you get to the game and you do see a different side of some of these players. And I think the different side of Kelvin Beecham. I did not realize how much trash he talked, and specifically to Leonard Floyd. Now, you're able to talk trash when you're backing it up with your play, as both he and Smith did, blocking number 99. And then at the end, when you score that game-clinching touchdown, yeah, you can get into the face of a defender. It Look, there's so much respect from both sides, competitor, but that competitive spirit comes out. And Beach, yeah, I, I, one, did not know about the popcorn, and I did not know how much trash he talked. I didn't know either of those things, and I loved the trash talk. Again, you're winning, and you're, and you're playing well, so I get that. But I thought that was great of somebody who is always so composed. 
He is always so well-mannered with talking to the media or when you need to ask him a question. He's very honest. I feel like when he responds to us, he... So so to see that passion and see that trash talk, I was almost cheering him on like, heck yeah, Beach, I'm let him know. Let him know, Beach. And you know, I felt the same way uh, when they should not have called that play dead. The, what, the scoop and score yes. of what should have been for J.J. Watt when MyJ Sanders had the strip sack and J.J. picked it up and would have run to the end zone untouched. And then again, when J.J., now I don't think the second one when he you know picked up the ball would have been called the same but you know he he spiked the ball and had some words to the ref of learn your lesson learn your lesson got the delay of game penalty but I liked Zach Allen on the bench after that hyping up JJ said throw it harder spike it harder now obviously not encouraging the delay of game penalty by any means but but supporting him of of that passion of Hey, we know you're in the right. And and the ref knew he was in the right as well. He said something to JJ and, and apologized. I was waiting for the that conversation to be picked up by the Hard Knocks cameras. And maybe it was and just wasn't placed because maybe that's not something you want to have footage of in public. The conversations and the apologizing. But we did hear JJ say, yeah, Cleet Blakeman came up and apologized and said sorry. But at the end of the day... It, doesn't mean like I get that touchdown. The team did, but he doesn't get it. It would be a different story had the Cardinals not won the game. There you go. Yes. But I did like the support from Zach Allen. And again, you get to see it's different, right, when you're playing well and you're winning, and they can be a little more loose on the bench, on the sideline. We've been talking about the personalities you get to see, and there are those little moments in the game that we don't get to see either from the press box or the TV cameras aren't picking them up. But when the defensive line coach was holding the iPad and, and J.J. saying, Burke, Burke, like, let, let me see that. Let me see that. And he's reaching over with his hand and Burke doesn't see him. And so Zach's sitting next to J.J. and kind of sees and Zach reaches out his hand and like pretends to grab it and hand it to J.J. It's not a big moment. But when you see their faces and they're just kind of joking, it's just fun to kind of see those those two guys who are so intense and push people over for a living and are violent for three hours. That's what JJ was saying when he was mic'd up pregame in the huddle. We get to be violent for three hours. So to see them kind of joke on the bench, that's pretty fun too. It's much easier. It's much more enjoyable for these episodes as we started this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. When you can relive a win as opposed to episode one was basically reliving all the frustration from the loss at home to the Seahawks so very I would say this was a much better episode just because it followed a win now what happens this week when the team plays in Mexico City against the San Francisco 49ers who knows but now you're kind of wondering what are the storylines going into this episode in episode three and that would be obviously who's going to quarterback the team and as we speak here on this Wednesday we don't know who's going to quarterback the team Kyler's dealing with a hamstring issue Colts dealing with a knee issue both officially day-to-day but here we are days away and we still don't know who QB1 is going to be and on top of that I know the team has been training but the altitude is going to be different in Mexico City and the smog that you're dealing with so the conditions are not going to be the same as a normal game. Um, so the health is all that more important of you want these players to feel as close to 100% as you can. Now that's tricky when you're in week 11 of the season. Um, but it will be interesting to see of, you know, Cliff Kingsbury has made it clear they want Kyler to feel comfortable using his legs if they need him to. But if Colt is also 
not 100%, although he doesn't use his legs the same way as Kyler, you know, what, what's the decision-making process in that scenario? Kyler said on Wednesday, quote, I've got to be able to do what I do, end quote, meaning that he, if you take away his ability to run and scramble, which sets him apart from 99% of the rest of the football players in the league, then he's not as effective as he can be, then he's not better than a Colt McCoy for this particular week. If he's not, if he doesn't feel confident in that hamstring for him to go out and be Kyler Murray, if he feels less than confident, then he does not play. If he feels confident, then yeah, he's your starter this week, next week, and for the next hopefully 10 years. But if there is any hesitation, then yeah, Colt, if healthy, if he's able to go, needs to start. So even if Kyler can throw and he feels good planting his feet to throw because he can't run, you would rather play Colt? If you're going to take away what Kyler does, then yes. Because when you're in the moment, yeah, Kyler can say, oh, yeah, I'm good, I'll just stand in the pocket, I'll throw the ball away. But in the moment, what do you do? You, you resort to what you know and what you do and best. And that's scrambling? Yes. Extending the play with your legs? That's fair. So and and again maybe 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 this conversation is mute because uh, episode three focuses on Trace McSorley. Whoa. I mean that's I mean if it's a possibility. Yeah, that's true. It is a possibility. Um, it will be interesting to see and all the more exciting because it's going to be in Mexico City, an international game. So I'm sure the next Hard Knocks episode is going to be very exciting. You brought up the higher altitude. I know the San Francisco 49ers are in Colorado Springs this week dealing or practicing in a higher elevation. The Cardinals are staying here in Tempe, but they're still going through that higher elevation training. I wonder how much we see of that behind the scenes on Hard Knocks episode three because we hear about it. We just haven't seen any of it. Well, I've, uh, well, not on Hard Knocks. No. When we've been walking through the training room, yeah, you can see them on the bikes and they've got the masks on. And I was actually talking, I, the cardstock segment I do with former Cardinals quarterback Drew Stanton. And after we finished, I was we were talking about Mexico City and the altitude training. And unprompted, he goes, man, that stuff works. Those masks, he goes, they work. They do the job. So coming from a former NFL player in Drew Stanton, I will take his word for it. Now, have you practiced in the higher elevation are you ready for monday no i am not no. and i have heard Uh-oh. that the walk from the press box down through the stands <laughs> to the field will leave me a bit out of breath and i have to do that a few times throughout the day so i will be i need to remember to wear comfortable shoes on game day pace yourself pace myself okay any other words of wisdom if you get down on the field quick enough and no one's looking maybe you just snag one of those oxygen masks that maybe oh. a james connor's yeah, not nobody using would or that. a d-hop's not using all of a sudden you know you just quick breath and you put it down sure yep. i'm sure they would share got to make sure we give paul that advice too he's down on the field on the sideline during the game Paul will be down there the entire game. He'll 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 be, he'll be okay. It. Yes, he'll be used to it. The, the concern is post game when you're interviewing ex player and whoever it is that had the play of the game. I'm going to be did out of breath. Going, exactly. <sighs> tell me about that play. Monday night football: Cardinals and 49ers. Six fifteen is the kickoff. Two thirty pregame coverage begins on the Arizona Cardinals radio network. Couple, couple of items concerning Monday's game: Hollywood Brown designated to return. He's eligible. He can practice. That 21-day window has opened up, but there is a chance. After missing four weeks with a foot injury, Hollywood is on the field with DeAndre Hopkins for the first time this season. 
It could mean something. It could mean nothing. However, Hollywood Brown has been posting the last couple of days, maybe the last week or so, of some messages hinting at a return. Um, Maybe that was just him being designated to return, come off the IR list. Um, At this point, it wouldn't surprise me if he played. I I think you obviously have the 21-day window. Um, If you're going to designate someone to return, typically it means they're going to be ready sooner rather than later. So I, I, I wouldn't assume that we get a guaranteed answer before we see inactives or at least leave for Mexico City on Saturday. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me if Hollywood Brown is out there. The last update that we will get from the head coach will come on Friday. And it will be, oh, game day decision. I'm going to predict that. that? I'm going to predict that right now here on Wednesday. Can you see into the future, Craig? No, I just know Cliff and how he answers questions when it comes to injuries. Although, if you did happen to hear Hollywood address reporters on Wednesday, and Bergang, if you missed it, go to azcardinals.com. Danny, he sounded confident that he was going to be on that field in Mexico City. I sure hope so. I'd love to see him out there with Hop. It's a bummer we don't get to see the two of them out there with. Rondale Moore and Zach Ertz after Ertz suffered the season-ending knee injury in Sunday's win over the Rams. Um, but getting getting Hollywood out there with Hop, I think, could be a, a, a huge game-changer because, let's face it, having that speed and that height out there with Robbie Anderson has done nothing for this team. So get that speed out there in Hollywood, somebody that Kyler Murray trusts, no question about it, that chemistry is there. I'd love to see him out there with Hop. Kyler said it's going to be, quote, dangerous with Hollywood and D-Hop on the field at the same time. You bring up Zach Ertz. He is done for the season. Cliff was asked about the injury, didn't get into details, but Ertz will undergo surgery, so all the best to him. Question now is, well, first off, I was a little bit surprised, and I don't know if you were, but the Zach Ertz injury was not discussed, documented, or even footage of him in Hard Knocks Episode 2. And I know... I know there's so much footage during the course of the week and you have to narrow down your storylines and maybe this is a storyline that will come up in a future episode when Ertz undergoes the surgery, starts his rehab, and you can kind of look back. But that was such a big moment in Sunday's game at the Rams and just the emotion that he was feeling limping off the field, having to get carted back to the locker room, a little bit surprised we didn't see maybe just a little bit of a glimpse of that. I would assume that that's probably in the next episode. You know, they they need time to edit all this footage that they have. So I would imagine that, you know, when the news started to break Monday, when by that point Monday is information is for the following episode, not for the episode that comes two days later, when you start learning about the reports that Zach Ertz was going to miss the rest of the season, and then you hear from the head coach two days after that confirming that, to me, it would make sense that they hold off on the injury maybe until you can compile everything And after Zach Ertz has had the surgery, or maybe they're going to wait another two or three episodes to where he's back out here at the facility doing his rehab, and he's in meeting rooms helping with Trey McBride, or if Max Williams gets elevated off the practice squad, or if Zach Ertz is out on the practice field, and you kind of have um, more footage, more coverage of that, and you can kind of just look back at the injury itself. That's what that's what I'm expecting with the Zach Ertz injury and why it probably wasn't in this episode. It's a good point because we haven't never been told, but episodes go from Monday to Sunday, 
and if Sunday you're done post game, and then of course Cliff speaks the following day, say, "Yeah, we're working through things with Zach." Don't know, and then Wednesday, meaning as we speak right now, always oh, officially done for the year. You're right. It's if you want to make it and cover it in its entirety, then you wait. The question is, how long do they wait? Well, once I get any sort of insider knowledge, I will let you know, Craig. Okay, well then we go back to why my voice was featured in episode two and yours was not. Okay, congratulations, Craig. Good job. We're keeping track. You're keeping track. Okay, I actually did. I put it right down here. But my voice, twice, three-minute mark, 22-minute mark. You really typed that out at the bottom of your notes. And I even put put Calvisi heard as well. So yeah, I'm keeping track. Unbelievable. Proud of you, Craig. Keep up the hard work. With Paul, apparently. You only work hard on episodes of Cover 2 with Paul. I guess not with me. So you know now my secrets to Cardinals <laughs> Cover 2. Um, before we get out of here, one other point. Man, I know this was talked a lot about, and that was Eno Benjamin. And this may or may not be featured in a future episode of Hard Knocks, but not addressed in Sundays, or I should say in uh, episode two, and I know there's a lot of fans, especially former Arizona State or Arizona State alums, that are anxious to know details. Cliff was asked about it on Wednesday, just said we're doing what's best for the team. So still, we really don't know, but we do know that Cliff is confident in the depth behind James Conner. You got Keontae Ingram. Jonathan Ward is eligible to return. He's already missed five games but he's dealing with a hamstring injury. Daryl Williams needs to miss at least two more weeks because of a hip issue. And then on the practice squad, you got a couple of players, including veteran Corey Clement, who we actually have seen elevated to the active roster. So there are bodies. I don't know if another running back is going to be added between now and Monday. I don't believe we will, first of all, ever know both sides of the story, usually from the coaching staff or front office sides of things that doesn't typically leak as much as a player side of things. And while things have kind of leaked of, of maybe what Eno was feeling, I feel like we won't really see or hear more of that until the season ends. Now that Eno has signed with the Houston Texans, it's probably just going to be done for now. Um, and clearly Kingsbury is not going to touch on the manner, which personally I respect. Um, but I mean, look, clearly, clearly something happened and the reports were that you know, Benjamin was unhappy with the playing time. He was your number one running back for three games when James Conner was dealing with a ribs injury, and he probably felt like he earned more playing time. However, James Conner was 100%, and so that's what the coaching staff did was they let him take those reps. Um, and that's, again, so that's supposedly what what um, what Eno Benjamin was feeling. It is just interesting because we, we know that since – Joining the Cardinals, I guess, three years ago, you know, Benjamin was at one point in Kingsbury's doghouse. For a while. So the fact that he was still on this roster and still getting playing time, more so this year with the absence of Chase Edmonds, who moved on in free agency, you know, if you can make it through whatever it was that put him in the doghouse and still be here and earn those praises in training camp for the progress on the field and the maturity side of things... What went down to where enough was enough? And I think that's a question we probably won't ever know the true answer to. Everyone's curious, but to your point, maybe we never know. By the way, I did not realize that you were big in China because, (laughs) as I always do, I make sure to pay attention to everything that is either written or shot on azcardinals.com. Bergang, 
Make sure you read Darren Urban's weekly mailbag. It should be must-read material. Especially this week. But especially this week because there was a question from Simon all the way from China asking questions to you, to which you responded. I did. Did you see my shout out to you in one of my answers, Craig? I did, actually. So I wasn't, I didn't misquote you or anything. By the way, I. Oh, you printed that out too? Of course. I, I print everything out. Oh I'm not gosh. like you people where you just look at your phone. I need to have stuff I'm in my hands. I'm trying to save the planet here, Craig, but okay. Yeah. I recycle. Okay. Well, first, there were two questions asked yes. about how you were able to so quickly learn the team after arriving in, what, week four of last year? Correct. Great response. Thank you. And then they also wanted to know, based off where you're from and the team that you covered in Texas, are you still rooting for the Dallas Cowboys? And the response was... <laughs> you got a smirk on your face already. <laughs> Let's make it clear to everyone, parentheses, I'm looking at you, Craig Riolu, that I'm not rooting for the Cowboys. Not with in all caps. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, the not was in all caps. I, I, yeah, I failed to put that in there, but yes. You and not... I went on to have a longer answer. Thank you, Simon, yes. for, one, your viewership and your kind words. Hopefully you listen to Cover 2 as well as Cardinals Underground, which I know you do. Um, and thank you for ma- making Darren's mailbag all about me. International superstar, Danny Sarek. That's me, international, going to Mexico City this week. Come back with a W. I will do my best. Don't lose your passport. Because we've got another episode three coming up a week from today. Gosh, I don't don't even bring that idea up that I somehow don't make it back, Craig. Just follow Darren. You'll be fine. I'll hide. He's so much taller. I'll just hide right yeah, behind him. Yeah, you'll be good. You'll be good. Okay. But your goal, your your one main objective, is come away with a W. And second is make it home safe. Okay. Make it home safe and then come back with a W. I can't do that to you. Can't do Thanks. that to you. Sorry. All right. That's, yeah. I, I care too much about you. So we, sweet. We, we, don't, we don't want to lose you here with the Arizona Can Cardinals. Can we have Jim Alejandro cut Craig saying, I care so much about you and put that in our pregame radio open? No, I like what we've got so far. <laughs> 2.30 pregame coverage begins on Monday, and you can hear more of myself and Danny Sarek along with Darren Urban as we lead you into kickoff Cardinals and 49ers on Monday night football, November 21st. And, of course, Episode 3 of Hard Knocks in-season Arizona Cardinals one week from today. On that note, we will put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Almohandro. For Danny Sarek, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.